0: When we were vesting over in Monsignor's rectory, they were telling me that people in the sanctuary and the choir and everybody was nervous. I said, well, I'm gonna tell them, there's nobody more nervous than me. (laughs) Especially when I wear that hat and carry that stick. I affectionately, no disrespect, but euphemistically referred to the mitre and the crozier, so just relax. (laughs) I'm the one that's more nervous. (laughs) I am privileged to be here. And as I reflected upon the scriptures, for me, they came down to one simple line. Is our life defined by relationships? Or by rules? Is our life defined by relationships or by rules? Let me just walk you through the scriptures a little bit to be able to center ourselves in that mindset. We find ourselves at this moment in the gospel, in the middle of Jesus' preparation for his final Passover. For us, it would be our Holy Week. And on Monday, he's been triumphantly welcomed into his city, Jerusalem, amid palm branches and hosannas and people shouting um, acclamations of joy. Tuesday, we find him at the Temple Mount. And rather than railing against the Romans, What is he doing? But he is disrupting the most lucrative, financially lucrative moment in the temple year. Right before Passover, everybody, to the extent that they can get there in the course of their lifetime, goes to the great temple to offer sacrifice for atonement for their sins. And what does he do? But he disrupts this most lucrative moment by upending those, those tables of money, by taking um, some cords and fashioning a whip and, th- and, and chasing the money changers out. Because what are they doing? They're selling. They're selling the sheep and the goats and the oxen for sacrifice. They're exchanging their money. The Jewish people were not to bring the Roman coin to the temple. So what did they do? They would exchange it for the temple coin. And, of course, being what it was at that time, there was a little bit of usury going on. So what were they doing? They were probably extracting a little bit for themselves as well. He disrupts all this, much to the irritation of the people. It's so lucrative because these thousands of animals are sacrificed such that the commentators talk about the tens of thousands of gallons of blood that flow through the temple troughs down out to the city into a valley. But he irritates them. So we find ourselves now on Wednesday... And it says, since he had silenced the Sadducees before, in some previous previous chapter, now the Pharisees say, well, we're going to test him. We're going to see if we can discredit him. And so what do they do? They ask him, tell us, what is the greatest of all commandments? Now, apart from the Ten Commandments, which were given by Moses, they also gleaned from those first five books of the Pentateuch, the Torah, 613 other commandments, rules, that they were to follow. 365 of them were negative. And if I did my math right, which I didn't write down, the rest are positive. (laughs) You can do the math. There to, and he takes his his um, his response from the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus so as to show the the Pharisees that he's well acquainted with those first five books which are attributed to Moses now the Pharisees are also trying to discredit him because they don't want him replacing Moses the great lawgiver so Jesus avoids that he doesn't go down that road And he basically says to them, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship that we need to focus on as we look at who we are as a people. You know, as I look at my life and just sort of go down this road a little bit, which Rick mentioned, we can ask ourselves Who are we defined by in our relationships? And ultimately, how do they lead us back to this God that allows us to love God so much that we can't help but contain that love and in turn love our neighbor? So what are the relationships that define me in relation to this God of love? As Rick mentioned, I entered the Friars when I was 17 years old. I graduated from high school and I entered the Capuchin Order. And the the initials after my name, the first three, OFM, do not stand for Order of Fat Men. (laughs) Nor, given my previous history, out for money. (laughs) We all know the church. But it stands for Order of Friars Minor, which means, translated colloquially, Order of Lesser Brothers, Community of Lesser Brothers. So that's how, one of the ways in which I have defined myself in my relationship with God, in my particular vocation. And for the past six years, I've had the privilege of being the pastor of St. Lawrence of Brindisi in Watts, When I first got there, the director of religious education who was part-time and had 600 people, 600 um, children and teenagers in the program with one part-time assistant, um, said to me in my response, I said, you know, I really enjoy being here in Watts. She says, please, this is Beverly Watts. (laughs) And from then on, I've said yes. This is Beverly Watts because there's truly something Beverly, as in beautiful, about it. So the point of my story here goes to a woman named Jill, homeless. We allow her to sleep in the cry room. We now call it Jill's suite because she's been with us so long. But she develops COVID. She goes to St. Francis Medical Center. Several weeks later, a social worker calls me and says, "Um, Jill is ready to be released, and I know she lives with you. I said, "Um, what address do you have on that intake sheet? 10122 Compton Avenue, Los Angeles, 90002. I said, that's my address. I said, whom does she list as next of kin? And she writes, priest slash friend. And I said, bring her home. But who do we define ourselves in relationship that ultimately give us a sense of who we need to be before God so as to share God with others? Each of us will look at that differently. Given our particular vocation, and there are many, and that's the richness of our church. But one of the people that has helped divine, define me is a spiritual hero. His name is Charles de Foucauld. If you want to read a fascinating story that's adventure, that's a TV novella, that's uh, someone who ends up as a missionary and then as a hermit, it's Charles de Foucauld. He's born in the mid 1800s. He's born into incredible wealth. His parents die, he's raised by his grandfather. And when he inherits this, he lives this audaciously um, exorbitant life. The life of the playboy. He joins the foreign legion and there the stories even get even better. And then he's kicked out because he claims that his mistress is his wife. Even the Foreign Legion wasn't going to go for that one. But what does he do? He ends up being a cartographer for the sub-Sahara and travels as an, as a, as an apprentice of a rabbi. And because of his, his, um, his maps, he's acclaimed by the, uh, the country of France and their version of National Geographic. He eventually joins the Trappists, goes back to the, the Sahara, and there he lives alone. He attracts no followers, no vocations. By the world's standards, he's a complete failure. But the, the, the cornerstone of his spirituality are three simple words, which I love. Charity, not Conversion. Charity, not conversion. If we invest ourselves wholeheartedly, as we read in the scriptures today, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, if we invest ourselves that way, we will be overcome with the love of God. And as Aristotle said, goodness by nature must be shared. It must be distributed. We can't contain goodness. And therefore, it will spill out into our love of others. And each of us needs to find those relationships, that define us in relationship to God so that we can continually figure out how can I give more? How can I do a little bit more? It's never going to be perfect. But as Mother Teresa said, we're not called to be perfect or successful, we're just called to be faithful. And it's that fidelity that will move us closer and closer to what we're hoping for, which is the oneness with God. So we come together today to recognize that. As I mentioned at the beginning of the liturgy, you are beacon of hope. The way the goodness of this community necessarily spills out whether it's in Nairobi, in Kenya, whether it will be your upcoming Thanksgiving dinner, whether it's the different concerns you have for the homeless, parishes in this area, especially St. Patrick's, all of these speak to your engagement with that God in a way that says, I'll do a little bit more. And in my finiteness, I'll realize that I'll be rewarded by an infinite gift which is God's love. We think we can only do so much, and it's true. But when we invest in the love of God, God does all the more for us, and we find ourselves so rewarded. As we celebrate this Eucharist, the most radical commandment, I think, in the gospel and church is to love audaciously with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength, and will. And if we do that, then we will love our neighbor. And guess what? Slowly but surely, with time, if it's only in that two square feet on which I stand, or maybe the square footage of this church, or maybe that of Saint, uh, Santa Monica, or maybe Los Angeles, the world, our community will be a little better place.